Welcome to Mystery Books Podcast, where you'll discover new mystery books and authors. I'm USA Today bestselling mystery author Sarah Rosette. I'm also a bookworm who specializes in the mystery genre. I love sharing my favorite mystery discoveries from classic golden age novels to contemporary cozies. This is season two, episode two, and it's all about the Sloan Square Mystery by Herbert Adams. The Sloan Square Mystery by Herbert Adams was published in 1925, and it is a standalone mystery. So let me read you the blurb. London, 1924. Two young society gentlemen, Bruce Graham and the Honorable Edward Lampert, are making their way home from a party in the early hours of the morning and discover the body of a wealthy philanthropist who is the uncle of their friend Rollo. When it becomes clear that Rollo is the prime suspect, Bruce and Edward, along with the smart independent Joan, band together to find evidence that will clear their friend's name. Here's the first line. Actually, the first two lines, because the first line is pretty short. It was nearly half past one on Sunday morning. Sloan Square, busy all day with traffic that streamed across it from six different directions, was silent and deserted. I'm working with uh, MacGuffin Publishing to bring out some of uh, these classic books, reprints of these classic Golden Age novels that have sort of been forgotten. And um, I did some research into Adams, the author of this book, and there's really not a lot about him, but we do know a lot about the books he wrote, even though some of them are really hard to find. So the story behind the story and some fun facts about this book, um, Herbert Adams lived from 1874 to 1958, and he was an incredibly prolific novelist. He wrote over 50 mysteries, and um, he's best known now for his golf-themed mysteries, and he had two long-running series characters. One was the solicitor or lawyer, Jimmy Haswell, and he first appeared in The Secret of Bogey House, which was published in 1924. And um, after that book came out, Adams went on to write eight more books with that character. Uh, Jimmy in that book is more of a minor character, and I'm not sure why Adams made the switch to include him as the protagonist, but maybe he just felt like, you know, having an attorney provided him more options, I guess, with a character, or maybe reader reception was the reason. We don't really know. Um, in 1936, Adams introduced another character, a gentleman sleuth with a fondness for golf in uh, Death on the Fairway. And uh, that was Major Roger Binion. And he proved to be even more successful than Haswell. Adams wrote a total of 28 books featuring this uh, gentleman sleuth. So there's plenty of those out there. But it's very interesting that he, even though he wrote so many books, Adams is really not well known today. His books have kind of faded from the collective consciousness of classic mystery readers. And I've really enjoyed reading The Secret, Secret of Bogey House and The Sloan Square Mystery. He also wrote 15 standalone novels under the name Herbert Adams, as well as two other novels under the pen name Jonathan Gray. The Sloan Square Mystery is one of his earliest mysteries. Let's get into the themes of this book. I think the strongest themes in this book are friendship and loyalty. Bruce has a nickname, Spider, and Ned, those two friends stick by Rolo and help him clear his name when he's accused of murdering his uncle. And this is a good look at the friendships between Bruce and Ned and Rolo and Joan as well. Joan comes in a little bit later. Bruce is the one who kind of leads the charge, but Joan is right there helping him. Ned is kind of the comic relief, although he is just as close a friend. But Rolo, does, he can't count on his family 
they're not supportive of him at all, but it's his friends who help him out. And it's interesting because this was written, it was published in 1925. And so World War I was not that long ago when this came out. And Bruce tells why he feels compelled to help Rolo. And it's an insight into their friendship, but it's also an insight into the attitudes and the language, really, that people had at that time to uh, handle the stress or what we would call post-traumatic stress of the war. They made light of it. And you can see that in the terminology they use. So this is why Rolo says he must, this is why Bruce says he must help Rolo. He says, out there in the early days when we were bolting according to plan, I got left behind in a village. I had stopped a bit of shell and was forgotten. Old Rolo came back and whisked me off from just under the Germans' noses. So I owe him something. So I thought that was very telling in my writing of the historical mysteries. I'm trying to catch that same sort of tone where uh, death and war and all of this is just kind of referred to in a passing manner and kind of in a jokey way. And I think that's uh, how they dealt with the stress of the war. Loyalty isn't limited just to the soldiers. Um, Joan is Roland's uh, ex-fiancé or Rolo's ex-fiancé, and she is fiercely loyal, uh, much more so than his relatives. She is an interesting character, and I really enjoyed reading about her. I can tell you that in reading uh, Golden Age fiction, she's a really well-rounded character with a story that takes a male protagonist with the lead POV. The female characters are not always very well-rounded. Sometimes they're just there to drop a few lines or, you know, move the plot forward in some way. But Joan is, she's very interesting. I enjoyed reading about her. She's sporty. That's not something that you see a whole lot in Golden Age fiction. And I think it was sort of a new take on a character, uh, something that wasn't seen a lot at that time. She's a team player. She was on hockey teams, mixed cricket teams, and swimming teams. She rides a motorbike, and she teaches Sunday school to a group of boys who she calls the duckiest little devils on earth which I just loved. And uh, it's Joan who notices this gap in the timeline of what happened on the day that the murder occurred. And that's critical to uh, helping them figure out what really happened. So she's not just a pretty face. She's not there just to be the love interest. Um, I kind of wish she was a serious character and I could read more about her. All right. So let's move on to tropes. In uh, Sloan Square Mystery, I think there's a couple of fun tropes. One is the high society murder, which I'm always on board for. It's uh, set in the early 1920s in this really affluent world. In the opening scene, uh, we get that right away. Bruce and Ed, or Ned, are um, strolling home from a party in the early hours of the morning, and they're described as wearing the uniform of well-to-do respectability. And here's how it's described. Their white shirts and white waistcoats, only partially concealed by their unbuttoned overcoats, suggested that they had left some festive gathering in that fashionable part of Belgravia. So they're dressed up in their evening wear, even though, you know, it's pretty, pretty late. They're out strolling along and that's when they find the dead body. So it does give us a look at this really um, exclusive set of people and uh, how they lived in London in the early 1920s. And there are some characters that are more on the fringes of that type of society, but the main characters, uh, Spider and Ned and Joan and Rolo are all the uh, bright young things of the early 1920s. Another trope that we have is, um, broken up, but it's not over. And that's, of course, Joan and Rolo. They were engaged, but Joan broke it off, and for a very good reason. But um, despite the broken engagement, she's still definitely in Rolo's corner, and she works just as hard to clear his name as his other two friends. 
Another uh, trope we have in this one is the foolish sidekick. And that is the comic relief of Ned. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, he is uh, using mystery novels as his uh, guide for how to detect and how to help his friend. So uh, they're not much help actually with the sleuthing, but it's very entertaining. For a quote to end with, I'm going to give you a sample of Ned's detecting skills. So the book says, quote, Ned Lamport, who's still attired in his dressing gown and slippers and with a large piece of toast in his hand, had apparently rushed from his breakfast table to bring his tidings to the flat on the floor above, which is where his friend Rolla lived. Once he gets to Spider's rooms and gets let in, he says, we know Rolla was innocent, but the question is, who is guilty? That is where we are all stuck. I've been trying to think it out for myself, Spider. Yesterday, I bought five mystery books and read every word of them. Now I see a great light. That's good, laddie. Diffuse it. <laughs> the point is this. In every case, the fellow who did the dirty work was the last fellow you'd think of suspecting. So, of course, he thinks that it is the least likely character, and he comes up with this crazy idea of somebody who's only tangentially related to the story because that's the least likely person. And, of course, he's not right, but it is funny and entertaining to watch him. And he has several of these ideas, these brainstorms. None of them are, are quite right. So here's my question for you this week. Who is your favorite plucky female character in fiction? It doesn't have to be someone in mystery fiction. It could be in any genre. So let me know. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah Rosette. That's no H on Sarah and no E on Rosette. Or you can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode, which will be at sarahrosette.com forward slash Sloan, S-L-O-A-N-E. I hope this podcast has let you revisit a favorite book or perhaps helped you discover a new author to try. If you've enjoyed the podcast, I hope you'll tell a fellow mystery reader. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.